Hello and welcome to Meet My Potential podcast. In this episode, we are going to talk about what is the culture that inspires people across generations. And today we have a very special guest, Matthew Stefani. Matthew is a serial entrepreneur. He is the co-founder and CEO of Costa Vostra, an agency that provides consulting in innovation and digital strategy. Matthew also has a French podcast called Generation Do It Yourself, where Matthew shares in-depth stories and lessons from entrepreneurship, success factors, and failure stories. Matthew, I heard about you on the podcast Revolution Digital. It's another podcast in French. So if you haven't heard it, go check out Revolution Digital and Generation Do It Yourself, both of which are podcasts in French. So if you still haven't gone and checked out our latest events, please do go check out www.meetmypotential.com slash events. We have some very special seminars coming up in the space of leadership so that you can meet your potential. And these seminars are going to be run in the French countryside in a very beautiful location, which is just totally zen. And of course, with a bit of mindfulness practice. And so that would be at www.beatmypotential.com slash events. And so let's welcome Mathieu on this episode. Hi, Mathieu. Salut, Dipa. Hi, nice to meet you. Bonjour, Mathieu. Bienvenue. Uh, How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks to your break, you just gave me off a minute to re-energize me. Uh, it was a good idea, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, on your website in Costa Vostra, you say, float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. What is that? Say a little bit more about that. Well, I would say we live in a world that is changing very, very fast, right? And mm -hmm. you have to read it in different ways. That means you have to take, in French, what we call it, the, the temps long. So it's the, the, you have to take time to mm -hmm. just analyze and, and see what's happening. You know, somehow we could say contemplation, right? Mm -hmm. And at the opposite, you have to be very sharp and very able to, you know, velocity is key. And you have to be able to do things very fast, execute right now some stuff. So I would say the butterfly is the image of the long time where you can just see what's happening, analyze, think, be smart, Mm -hmm. And the other part and the, the sting part would be the one where you have to be very, very sharp and fast. And I think that's the keys of success that we're living since. Very beautifully said. I have a saying and I always say that slow is fast. Mm, yeah, slow is a new fast and then fast <laughs> is a new slow, probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes <laughs> we're living in an action-paced world. We want to go fast, want to get so many things done and we get lost in detail. So you absolutely pointed your finger at the right place. We need to take time to step back, breathe a little bit so that we can be sharp. Mm, exactly. Oh, and just not be that human that is, you know, driven by notifications and social networks and you know things that just stay three seconds and uh, these pictures that you scroll one after the other and be the one that it just you know thinks right you don't have to be a spectator of your life and of the world you can be a or but i would say you have to be an actor at some point Right, right, exactly. So you set up this podcast, Generation Do It Yourself. Tell us a little bit, like, what is the culture that inspires people across generations? That's a very good question and a very tough to answer. 
Because at the same time, I believe in generations. And obviously, you have some points, key points, that dots that links you in the same generation, things you've been living, you know, uh, bad and good. But there are also, I have so much more common points with some people that are 80 years old than right now. And with my podcast, the idea uh, with Generation Do It Yourself is that actually I'm more in the butterfly part and uh -huh. I take time with my guests to understand how they built what they've built, how they became, you know, successful entrepreneurs or Olympic champions or amazing uh, pianist, artists and uh, writers. What are the keys to what they're doing? And that is something that goes, I would say, the recipe, the deep recipe goes through generation, as I would say. And I have received people that are 60, 70 years old and that have a lot of common points with people who are 25, right? Although, obviously, the learnings that you will get from a younger generation is uh, the tools and some specifics that are new in the past two, three, four years and how do you growth hacks things and how do you use, you know, Google, Facebook, Instagram to blow a company and so on. So this is again the butterfly and the bee, mm. I would say, yeah. Mm. What is one challenge that people face when you have two different generations in the same organization? How do you inspire both and how do you motivate both? Are there different techniques and tactics? I would say that one of the challenge and the main challenge is not to put everyone else in the generation case, you know. Obviously, a very good fast shortcut is to say, you know, this Gen Y, Gen Z, they're all like this and all like that. And they are mm -hmm. not all like this and all like that. At the end, the bottom line is that we're all evolving and the new generation are pushing us a lot into the good things. I mean, I'm 40 right now and I believe that in my generation, when I was Growing up, we were all about consumptions, buying things and getting a bigger car and big house and so on. And don't take time and the, the success is, you know, you show this and so on. And I think now in my employees, at least I can see that uh, very smart young people. I mean, they're not into, you know, working till 11 every night and they're not into the whole career thing so on they want to be in a smart place they want to be with smart people but they want to live their life and i believe that it's something that it's a big challenge because some people will take that and yeah you know the, the young one they don't want to work they don't know what they want they want a bigger income and so on but and in france actually there was for a long time you know uh, the more you would stay at the office you know that uh, because you you live here you stay at the office till eight nine and it's good and well you know and when we see germans english people american that can stop working at five or six you're like what are they serious how can they make real business if they work you know seven hours a day or eight and at some point we have this 35 hour work week so you know it's all of a ambiguity but i would say the challenge right now is that people are more aligned with themselves or are looking for this at least Exactly. You said the right thing. People are much more aligned to their values, much more aligned to the vision, to the kind of life that they want to live. And this is a challenge, especially a lot of people I see today are not driven by a strong sense of purpose at work and especially in large organizations. And when you have that and you have young generation people coming and questioning, what's the direction? What's the meaning? What's the purpose of doing this? 
they can be a bit challenging. And that's also a great challenge for people, senior leaders to actually stop and think and see, why am I actually doing this? What's the purpose? What's the reason? Because when purpose is missing, then fear takes over. Yeah. And now you talk more and more about all of what you said, the purpose, the value, the mission. And I would say sometimes it's a bit tough because if you think too much about this, I mm -hmm. mean, at some point you can end up being a philosopher, but uh, it's not very easy to get money for, out of it, you know. And sometimes you just have to act and be that bee with this thing and just, uh, <laughs> and you know, be more sharp and do things, right? And there is a kind of, I would say, balance that you have to get Uh, that is very hard. Recently, I was actually listening to a podcast with this guy called Ben Horowitz, who's a, a co-founder of Andreessen Horowitz, a very famous entrepreneur in the US. And it was to me a revelation because we were talking about the values. He was talking about the values of a company. And he was saying, values are not something that you're writing on the PowerPoint or paper. It's something that you live and that you act every day. And we were actually at Cosa Vostra looking for our values since the company grew a lot and our employees were asking for that and some were starting to work on this. And I was a lot full of complexes about that question because I was like, yeah, we didn't write that and we're not. And then at some point I sat down with my partners and I said, what are we doing? The way we're acting, how do we protect our employees? How are we brave? You know, uh, bravery is something that I think I respect deeply. Are we honest? Are we willing to really help our clients and not just say yes to them? Are we highly professional? Are we trying to learn and be uh, better people and smarter every day? Yes, we're all that. So these are our values. And these are not fake values that we're writing. It's things we've been doing for six years. So it's fine. We're fine with that, actually. We do have values and we don't have to write marketing values because that's what you call a, a hypocrisy. <laughs> well, it's good. Sometimes it, you need to have it written down on the walls and sometimes it's just enough as long as you just go do it and live those values every yeah. single day because then it's just visible and you don't need to write it on the walls. I'm not saying actually we needed to write it on the wall, but what I'm saying is that if you just write it on the wall and you don't act, that is what I call hypocrisy because it's just something that you are trying to sell to your employees, to your clients, to your partners, but it's pure fake. Absolutely. So rightly said. So rightly said. So what is the impact when you don't create that kind of culture, when the values that are written on the wall are not the values that you really follow? I would say the impact is something you leave. Actually, we're talking about generation is a wrong message you would leave to the next generation of the people you're, you're working them. And also, if you don't follow those things or if you don't have uh, it's something in your life that probably when you look back on what you've done when you're 65, 70, 80, and, and you're just thinking, you know, my value was getting more money or it was getting, you know, maybe some people are happy with just growing my company and create more employment, no matter how I do it and how I treat people. I wouldn't be fine with that. So I think it's a Yeah, common responsibility you're working on. And a lot of recent successes when you read books like Sapiens, uh, Yuval mm -hmm. Noah Harari yeah. and, and stuff like this. I mean, there is a people are just prise de conscience. How would you say that? Become aware. Yeah, they, they become aware of a lot of things. And the new generation is really, I mean, obviously, it's very cliche what I'm going to say, but is really into environment and climate change. And I think that's where things are going to happen. So, yeah, it's time to, to change quite a lot of things. 
Absolutely. Absolutely right. The new generation. I had a very young person who started to work with me to assist me in the workshops that I run in organizations. And I had a contract to work with a bank. And she said, I'm not going to work for this client because they're uh, this bank is only there to make money. So I'm not going to work with you on this project. So <laughs> I was actually a bit surprised because uh, it was a very interesting project that would actually pay her a one full month salary in just four days of work. And she refused that. So money is not the driving factor. Strong factors of ethics and value are really important to the young generation. This is something I realized. Yeah. It's easier when someone tells you that when you're working with the person as a freelance than when it's an employee, I have to say, because sometimes you have to pay the incomes. But I, I totally agree with you. It's fantastic to be able to say that when you're free. We did refuse quite a few clients for some questions of values. And I also do stop working with some clients because they don't treat well my employees and they don't fit with my values. And it did happen recently quite a few times. You have to be a good referee in the middle of this. <laughs> <laughs> some hard decisions to take, especially yeah. when you have targets to make, targets to reach. Yeah, these are very, very hard decisions for several reasons, because sometimes it's a large corporations, you know, mm -hmm. in the consulting and agency world where I'm working, you know, we do digital projects, websites, we do a large tech things and so on. Sometimes they're very long and we're used to, there are a lot of steps into those projects. And there is some stress that comes along in the way, right? Absolutely. But you have to be able to integrate it. And I can assume and I can get some stress from my clients. There is no problem. But I, at some point, I can even, you know, sometimes I can even be able to get almost some kind of insults at some point. You know, you can understand their stress mm -hmm. and the way it works in their company. It's not easy for them. So, well, you know, but you explain them and you tell them, you know, I understand what you're living through. I get this. I get that you're stressed, but we're doing what we're doing. We're a good company. Our clients are happy with us. And you're just yelling at my team and doing stuff at, at you know, 3 a.m. in the morning, sending messages, and that's not possible. So either we stop that or we keep going and you just behave otherwise. And when it works, it works, but sometimes it doesn't, right? Right. Absolutely. Well, that's a brave move. That's what I call is courage. And exactly like you pointed out before, bravery is one of your strong values. And that is an act of bravery. That is, it requires us to be brave to step up and to honor our values. Honoring our values is not an easy game. It's easy to write down our values and it's very hard to actually adhere to them. Yeah, I'm totally aligned with that. And that's a value we discovered this summer. And that's why the importance of putting words on it, we had it and we've always put bravery on, on the top of what we're doing, assuming our acts. And, you know, it's not something very marketing, I would say. It's not something you hear everywhere. But I, actually, I think it's something we're very proud of right now. So we're working on that. And I believe that our employees are very happy with that. And the next generation, for example, we have a part of our team that is in, in the UK, another part that in, is in Bordeaux in France, mm -hmm. another part that is in, in Tunisia. Mm -hmm. And we had, for example, this problem in Tunisia with one of our managers. He was really, really... I mean, not behaving like we want in the company. Example, the employee was asking to a, like an engineer for going to uh, outside at, uh, you know, 4 p.m. to go and buy uh, some croissant or some whatever for him. Right? And you're like, okay, the guy is 29. <laughs> 
he's a, a genius. He's got five years of experience and he's been uh, studying for five, six years. And you were just using his time to... And even though if he was not this kind of thing, you know, you have feet and you have, you know, legs so you can just wake up and if you're hungry, you just do it yourself, right? But it's just one point. And we had several points. And the employee was... I said the employee because because I, I, I was about to say she, but actually it's too late now. But it was an amazing asset. She was fantastic. I mean, in delivery. And just firing that manager was for us very hard because it was probably the person that was the reason why the whole Tunisian office was working. But the values were not here, right? The values. Absolutely. That is one of the hardest and hardest decisions to ever make. Is like, what do you do when you have people who are so brilliant and who are so capable, and yet at the same time, their behaviors are deteriorating other people, their behaviors are not inspiring others in the organization. What do you do in that case? And if it's just not inspiring, that can be okay. You can help them. But if they're really mean and, you know, at some point, like really at the opposite of your values, very, very far, I mean, there's absolutely no question. You just fire them. There's really no question. You cannot send a message to the people that values are not important, that what you put on the top of everything is just the result. Because if you're like this, I mean, for yourself, it's something that is not good to keep in mind. And I think when you, you look back, you won't be very happy with that. But also for the whole company, it's, it's wrong and it's not going to work in the long term. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one key point that you're mentioning here is it's not about the destination. It's really about the journey. How do we want to work? 100%. Yeah. What conditions do we want to work in? What's the environment we want to create for our people? And I mean, do I wake up in the morning and am I happy when I go to the office because I have people that are aligned also, not just with themselves, but with everyone? And do we go into the same direction? And, and do they come to the office also happy with that? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not living in, in this crazy, happy world where I know that sometimes, some days, some month, sometimes you're not happy and it's the same at home and it's the yeah. same with your husband or your wife and it's the same everywhere. You're not like always, yeah, the world is beautiful <laughs> and wonderful. Yes, but at some point on the very large average, are you happy when you go to work in the morning? Are they happy when they come to work in the morning? If they're not, let's try to do something. And if it's not working, just let's change, you know, let's let's change people. Let's do something else in my work, in my job. Let's change company. Let's sell what I'm doing. You know, it's something that is very, very important. And I guess it's something that we can learn from the new generations also from the, because um, when I grew up or even the generation before, I would say, but you would stay in the work for 40 years, not asking yourself, what you're doing here. You were just being a good soldier and doing things. I would say, let's not do the opposite and stay three months or one and a half years because you don't have time to learn and, you know, really do something in, in the long range and be a butterfly. But uh, <laughs> let's just make sure that you're happy with what you're doing every single day of your life, at least. Uh, most of it like. Matthew, I really want to come and visit your company. <laughs> it seems like it's a great environment. I bet the energy is just buzzing over there. I'm trying to. Anytime you want to come deep, you know, I'll be happy with that. When you come to Paris, you just let me know. But it is, I'm trying and I hope it's the same in the offices I'm not being every day of my life, you know. 
<laughs> Thank you so much. And so concretely, what tips can you share here with our audience so that they can create a culture that's inspiring? It's actually not to try to look for something where they want to go, but at least start where they're at, you know, and just see what they're doing and see how they can amplify that. And don't forget that money is important because uh, obviously that's what's driving actually the whole company thing. But at some point, it's not everything. So I would say the work environment is the place where you're spending most of your time in between 20 and you know, 65, 70 years old. So probably the most part of your time in your whole life. And actually, you have to think about this and think about what you want to build into that time. Fantastic. So one question for the audience to think about is, think about what kind of work environment you want to create. What is the energy you want people to live at work? Ask yourself that question, how do we want to work? And how do I want, what is a container? What is the space that I want to create for my people at work? Yeah. See, one point, for example, is a very traditional now point is that I've seen while we were speaking in front of me, the yoga master that was going through and going to start the class, the yoga class at Cosa Vostra. But uh, one less, uh, I would say, a common thing is that we're working on an office that we will open in Bordeaux next year. That's going to be a it will look like a castle almost. It is a castle. Ooh, I mean, it's wow. something, it's All called right. what you call a hotel particulier. And we're going to have a swimming pool and we're going to have something that is just, you know, incredibly unusual for an office because I want to push that very far and I want to stop that. Obviously, there is no cubicle at Cosavostra. Obviously, you have open spaces and people. some people don't like it. But if you don't want to work in the open space, you can work in, you know, in the living room. You can work wherever you want. You can work at home also. But I want to have these spaces where people are happy to come and stay because once again, it's where they're going to spend most of the time in their week. And, you know, if they want to come over even the weekend or something, not to work, but, you know, if they can enjoy your shared swimming pool or I don't know, no, I don't care, but I want this place to be somewhere you want to be. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And before we close this episode, can you share one last message with the audience, please? I would say, listen to more podcasts. That's where you're going to learn a lot of things <laughs> because we're acting in that environment. And follow me on LinkedIn. It's linkedin.com slash in slash Stephanie. We'll put the link, I'm sure. I'll be happy to have a chat even if I'm having a hard time to answer everyone, but I'm happy to meet people that are listening to us. And also one very last message, Deepa, if I might, is yes. please put a five star on Deepa's podcast on Apple podcast and put a comment, a nice comment, because that's how she will get more visibility on the charts, right? <laughs> Thank you so much, Mathieu. Thank you so much for being here with us. It has been wonderful having you here. And for those of you who have not checked out Matthew's podcast. It's Generation Do It Yourself. Go check it out. And Matthew is very, very reachable person. I got connected to him very easily. He's extremely friendly and extremely approachable. And even though he's an extremely busy man with many small companies, he will still take time to reach out and connect with people. Not that Thank small, you, Matthew. Not that small. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Dita. Thank you very much for having me. I was very thrilled. <laughs>